We got track news for you. News you can use to wash away your blues. We got track news for you. What the fuck you gonna do? What the fuck you gonna do? Hey, what's up, Pat? Uh, what's up, Britt? Not a whole lot. This is Soy Trek, and we're delivering you some Trek news this week. The uh, was, was the second week of December. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we are. Hey, guess what? Mm. Kirstie Alley died. Yeah. Yeah, the original Savick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, how, do you, how do you feel about that? I mean, wasn't didn't watch a lot of Kirstie Alley stuff. Yeah. I'm <laughs> not a big uh, original Cheers fan. No, I didn't watch too much Cheers. It's crazy they haven't actually like rebooted Cheers, right? Yeah, it feels like something they would, unless you kind of count Always Sunny in Philadelphia as kind of like a, a spiritual reboot. I don't. <laughs> Nothing like that. Yeah. Nothing. Like pe- the, the people were like decent people on Cheers. Yeah, well, that's that's the thing. These are these are the opposites. Yeah, yeah. These are all like sociopaths. Yeah. Stuff. Which makes which makes Always Sunny so much funnier. Oh yeah, it's much it's a much better <laughs> show, like objectively than Cheers ever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I kind of watched. Uh, she had some uh, model show or whatever mm-hmm. with Ka- uh, Kathy Najimy. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Like long time ago as well. I sometimes watch that. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's one of those people who's like really attractive at some point, but they aged very poorly. <laughs> Very poorly. Yeah. I mean, she kind of also got kind of like, you know, she had some shitty opinions too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's what really makes you ugly more than anything mm-hmm. is being a piece of shit. She was ugly on the inside. Indeed. <laughs> Still pink, but ugly. Pink. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, there was a, a lot of stuff people said about her, but uh, I, uh, the the most interesting thing I read was a uh, article about it, <clears throat> which harkened back to um, Nicholas Myers' comments about her. Uh, of course, he directed uh, Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan, mm-hmm. uh, the only Star Trek media she was in. Yeah, and uh, after that, she was recursed uh, with Robin Curtis in her role. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, anyway, so it says in this interview, uh, Myers says, "quote The main cast was handed to me on a platter." Uh, Meyer says uh, the core actors of the classic TV series from 1979. Uh, or sorry, for the 1979 film. Uh, we were looking for Savick, and I found myself seated with this stunningly attractive woman with this amazing pair of eyes and big mane of hair. <laughs> she had this strangely merry aspect. And a which, big fat pussy. Yeah, which, <laughs> a big old wet sopping pussy. Well, I was like, clean up on aisle five. Is something leaking? And she's like, no, that's just my whap. She dragged that shit like a snail trail. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like she didn't wring out the mop and she's dragging it down the hallway. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Um, so uh, he continues, uh, she had this strangely merry aspect, which I was later to learn was absolutely a characteristic of her. I recall that she came from Wichita. Uh, beyond giving a terrific reading for the 1982 sequel, Ali played Savick with an, quote, unselfconscious originality that the character required, Meyer said. And mm. uh, explaining why he fought for her casting, he said, um, I don't think she was trying to be original, or as some might imprecisely call kooky, but she nailed it. What was impressive about her was that she didn't, inject her own, as I call it, merry personality into it. I don't know if she had enough experience, but she had enough intuition to do what the role called for. Mm. Uh, She was so passionate or enthusiastic or entranced by the role, or she was an oversleeper that she wore the ears to bed. She Hmm. didn't take them off, he says with a chuckle, which, I mean, I think that's a fetish thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a fetish thing. So at the nineteen or sorry, at the twenty sixteen Vegas Con, uh, which Ali attended, Ali spoke about crying during the scene of Spock's funeral, which was not scripted. She was simply overcome with emotion in the moment. Meyer also recalls the moment and why he liked it and why star William Shatner was not too thrilled. <laughs> he says, quote, uh, and um and that included her in the funeral scene, he said. I didn't instruct her to weep. When I saw it happening, I remember Shatner came over to me and said, you're not going to let her do that, are you? Vulcans don't cry. And I said, that will make this so much more effective when she does cry. 
she didn't want to get typecast, so she didn't come back for the next film and was recast as Robin Curtis, who then molested Spock. <laughs> Allie spent her latter years promoting anti-vax shit and generally being a chud, so, you know, whatever. Yeah, complicate. you know, uh, people are complicated. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she did do a good job as Savick. Mm-hmm. She did, for a film. For a film, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then Robin Curtis did a decent job at Savick. Yeah. Although, made some questionable decisions regarding... Well, I think it was probably the writers that made those decisions. Well, yeah, but, I mean, the character still touched a kid. Yeah, the character, yeah. Did touch a kid. Yeah. Mm. And then... then That'd be great if they brought Kirstie Alley back for the next film, and and she (laughs) was like, oh, no, that never happened. Yeah. (laughs) But apparently, like, uh, the film, she was supposed to be pregnant with Spock's child in Mm. uh, The Journey Home, which, problematic, let's be honest. Yeah. Do it like a... uh, with Mary Kay Latorno type thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pretty not okay, right? Yeah. That's that's probably why they're I think they wrote themselves into a into a um into a corner with that cuz it's mm-hmm. like okay, well, are we going to have her have a child's baby? <laughs> yeah, cuz that's, and then that's like, weird. And then like a Spock's, but also it's like they didn't she didn't fit in at all anyway right. and 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 um in the fourth film because you don't. You didn't need two Vulcans doing doing comedy stuff on on right, on nineteen right. seventies planet yeah, Earth. Yeah, two fish out of water Vulcans being like yeah autistically coded. Yeah, and yeah, being like I don't understand this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, not not so interesting to anybody. Yeah, so, I mean you can just write your own headcanon. Like okay, yeah, she's in she's in in a Vulcan jail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's like serving out her term. Yeah, for touching a child. No, I guess they don't even have. They do. Um, they, like as we saw in like um, um, Strange New Worlds, they just go to like pain therapy instead. That's true. But she was just at pain therapy. I love pain therapy. Yeah, that's that's what I call cock and ball torture. <laughs> You're painting with something. Uh, yep. Oh, paint therapy. Yes. Oh, paint. I said pain therapy. No, paint therapy. Paint therapy. <laughs> yeah, because remember it showed him showed that guy the um guy. Yeah, yeah. He was just painting in a park. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, so that's what she that that she was sentenced to um to uh thirty years of hard painting. Hard, hard painting. <laughs> yeah, that sounds miserable. Yeah. All right. They should bring her back. Why yeah. not? Yeah, why not? Who cares? Yeah, bring back Spock's baby. Yes. Why not? Speaking of who cares, uh, no, I guess that's kind of cool. Uh, Michelle Yeoh was named Time Magazine's Icon of the Year for 2022. She rocks. Yeah, she does rock. We we yeah. really like Michelle Yeoh. I mean, it wasn't like it was a banner year for for Star Trek Discovery or anything. But no. you know, um, everything, everywhere, all at once was fucking awesome. Yeah, that's that's probably that might be my movie of the year. And really, like she was written out of um, of um, Star Trek Discovery. Oh, was she? Yeah, I don't okay. know if you, I don't know if you got to that point yet. I, I haven't. Thank, oh, thank, sorry. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for thank you for the spoiler. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, that's why she wasn't. She's not in um, the fourth season that I, that aired uh, this year. Oh yeah, I haven't even started on that. Yet. Yeah, so, like so. Yeah, I think yeah, it's for um, mm-hmm. everywhere, everything, everywhere, all at once. Oh yeah, which was a good movie. I mean, mm-hmm. it was a little. I think it got a little long at the end. Yeah, like um, like I feel they could have probably like tied up a lot of the different plot threads all at once instead of having like, it seemed like five different endings. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. You didn't see the movie. Wait, what movie? Everything, everywhere. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I thought we were still talking about Discovery. Was, no, no, I was no. Just going through on some notes on some stuff, but no. Uh, wait, what was? It? Did you? Was that a criticism? I'm sorry. Uh, I like the movie. I just thought there was like five different endings. Yeah, kind of. Like yeah, that, just, that was kind of a point, though. I yeah, mean, there was different messages for like different people, kind of. Yeah, I, but it would have been nice if it could all just been like reached the end because it just kept being like it kept reaching a point that felt like it was the end of the film. Mm-hmm. And then you had like another twenty minutes. Yeah, that was <laughs> another... cool though, because it always had more to give. Yeah, I don't know. I I really liked that movie. I found it very rewarding. Um, yeah, it was very heartfelt. And mm-hmm. At the same time, it was like a combination. I mean, it was it was one of those movies that was like what do they say, like a love letter to cinema or whatever. Yeah. It's obviously like the the Daniels. I think they're called. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they really like like schlocky dumb B movies and shit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they, they did a good job of, like, recreating that in a very polished, like, accessible commercial way. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I really like what they did. Yeah. Um, 
So, uh, yeah, going on about Michelle Yeoh here. Um, although she was named the Time Person of the Year, she's still awaiting something from Alex Kurtzman that he owes her. What's that? A Section 31 show, my brother. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, apparently um, she wrapped up her recurring role on uh, the third season of Star Trek Discovery in an arc that was to set up her own series. Uh, the Section 31 series was first announced to be in development way back in January of 2019. Um, and even a writer's room was set up uh, with talk of the show going into production in 2020. Uh, even though other shoot shows moved into production instead, executive producer Alex Kurtzman has continued to hype the Section 31 series. And as recently as May, hmm. he confirmed with uh, TrekMovie.com that it was one of the two shows actively in development, which he hinted at again at Comic-Con in July. Uh, as for her part, Yo has always spoken glowingly of her time with Star Trek and continues to expect optimism for the future, or her future in the show, and told EW earlier this year, I hope, as Alex Kurtzman has promised, we are going to do Section 31. Section 31 is th uh, that Star Trek Discovery universe, but different. It's wilder. It's like Mission Impossible meets Guardians of the Galaxy in space, which to me sounds like something I don't want. Do no, not want. No. Don't want that in Star Trek. Don't need it in Star Trek. That's a little too much for me. It, yeah. it sounds like it could be a cool idea executed somewhere, mm -hmm. but that that's too much sci-fi fantasy bullshit for Star Trek. Yeah. Straight up. It's like, it's it's too much A, sci-fi fantasy bullshit, and B, there's no way they can play it correctly, I think, without it being basically like state propaganda. Yes. And like CIA worship and apologism. Yes. Which I would not look forward to watching, especially in a Star Trek universe. Yeah, I mean, I, that, yeah, Section 31 is something I don't want to see. Yeah, if they like, could find a way to like demonize everything that Star Trek or so, Section 31 is mm -hmm. in making the show and make it like a, a giant criticism of like the CIA. Yeah. I'd be fine with that, but there's no way they do that. that there are no way, there's no way the American government would let that show be produced. No. That's why like in DS9, like Section 31 was a, a villain. Yeah. And that, <laughs> they were only in like two episodes. Yeah. Yeah. They were, like they were in, in the first, and the first one that they're in, they're the main villain of the episode. Basically. Yeah. I mean, the guy, Mm -hmm. I forget his name, but yeah. Yeah, um, I can't remember his name yeah, either. It's like season six. But yeah, he's trying to recruit um, Bashir, and yeah, yeah. Bashir's like, fuck you. Mm -hmm. and then there's an episode, yeah, where they kill him, <laughs> and then like he ends up in Bashir's, uh, they end up in his head or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, there's they're seen as something that's that, that actually is against the ideals of Starfleet. It is 100%, and that's why they're secret, and that's why they're mm -hmm. supposed to be secret. Which is why, like, the black badge thing and whatever is, like, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Like, yeah. Yeah, we're a secret society, but here's our, the the secret society badge we wear out in the open. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on. Come on. Yeah, I mean, it. it's not a good idea. No. I mean, no. Yeah, but I think she has also, though, coming out, uh, she's in some, um, I think, Netflix uh, Witcher movie that's coming out as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, she's going to be in the new, uh, brand new Netflix miniseries, The Witcher Blood Origin, which debuts on uh, December 25th on uh, oh. Christmas. Oh, nice. I'll watch that. Uh, and she also plays a goddess in the upcoming Disney Plus series, American Born Chinese. Mm. Uh, and, yeah. So, um, I don't know. Cool. Yeah. Congratulations to Michelle Yeoh. Yeah. She is a queen. Yeah, she rocks. I just she's, watched. She's uh, a great actress. I yeah, I enjoy her in like literally everything I've seen her in. Uh, I'm going through season three of Dis Star Trek Discovery right now, and she's like the only like levity in the entire show. She's the only thing to keep you going. <laughs> I, I mean, it's like there's other fine parts of the show, but she's like the only levity in the show. Yeah, she's the only part of the show that is not like too serious for its own good. Yeah, and like depressingly serious and like. Mm -hmm. Uh, galaxy ending serious and like Miserable. crying and whispering serious about everything. Mm -hmm. Like she, she's just there to be like snarky occasionally. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, cool. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. She's kind of like the audience stand in, you know, yeah, apparently. kind of like, cause yeah, it's she, like, you know, well, like at least for people who find, find everything that everyone on discovery to be irritating. Yes. <laughs> cause, yeah. she, cause she kind of channels that irritation toward, towards everyone on that show. Yeah. I, I definitely, <laughs> I, I like Mira Giorgio quite a bit. Yeah. She's great. Yeah, she's, she's pretty fun. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Season three has been difficult on me. It's like mm-hmm. you keep on like adding. The the problem is like for the most part, like every new person they've added, like I just I just don't care about them at all. <laughs> book book is fine. I like book. Yeah, book's fine. Book's fine, but like everyone else, I'm like, no, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, speaking of no thanks, I uh, guess what came out this week? Hmm. Discovery season four came out on Blu-ray, motherfucker. Oh boy! Yep. Um, I don't know who wants to own that. <laughs> uh huh. So I mean, I did think I did. I did see someone posting a picture of like I guess their Blu-ray case. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. I always see a couple people on like Star Trek Twitter who are like into collecting all the physical media and yeah. stuff like that. I'm like. Whatever, it's for them. It's not for me, yeah. definitely. Especially fucking Star Trek Discovery. Mm. Like, <laughs> why? I mean, it was something that was released in the first place entirely on streaming. It's yeah. like, so it's always going to be on streaming. Mm-hmm. And it's not like streaming quality is going to, you know, suddenly get worse. In the mm-hmm. future, really, I don't think so. Now, unless there's like um, some sort of like uh, mm-hmm. fall of all streaming services and mm-hmm. all you're left with this is your dvd collection mm-hmm. <laughs> can see that only being the being the or if you go out to some place that doesn't have electricity and you need it only have your laptop and some discovery blu-rays <laughs> yeah that sounds i i just yeah i'd rather kill myself <laughs> um, find, find, yeah. go out and walk into the woods and find yeah. a very tall tree and yeah. fashion some rope yeah either yeah <laughs> Yeah, instead of the DVDs, I just bring a gun. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're like you're like looking at the at the laptop with the Discovery Discovery uh, season four DVD. <laughs> then you go back to the gun, back to the t- DVD, back to the gun. You're like, I've made my choice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Right. Sing a single shot rings out into the night. <laughs> so, the uh, the bonus the bonus uh, materials on here apparently. Got a higher bit rate for video streaming. Cool. Cool. It's a audio quality. It's a DTS HD MA 5.1. Mm. It's basically the same as streaming. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what else do we have here? We have a documentary feature, Star Trek Discovery, The Voyage of Season 4, 52 minutes long. Wow. As they've done with the past seasons, the feature at documents the making of the season with writers, producers, directors, and the cast are interviewed about the making of the 13 episodes. Then we got a 14-minute long uh, documentary called Being Michael Burnham, The Captain's Log, uh, which just shows uh, Michael Burnham's poop. <laughs> Michael Burnham's logs. All right, now okay, now I'm gonna buy this. <laughs> now, now, now Dad is listening. <laughs> yeah, so it's um. I'd like to frost that turd. <laughs> what? What the fuck? <laughs> to make that a chocolate vanilla squirrel squirrel soft serve. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, I, I I add the vanilla. You know what I'm saying? Now I know what she's saying. That's that's my semen. <laughs> and it's cold when it comes out. <laughs> Very concerning. I gotta see a doctor about that. <laughs> Please help. <laughs> um, so yeah, this uh, being Michael Burnham, the captain's log is fourteen minutes long, and fourteen inches long. <laughs> so it's uh, another in the continued series of features, season to season. In this log, Sinequa Martin Green takes fans through her personal journey as the newly promoted captain, Michael Burnham. She shares her thoughts through cell phone videos, on-set interviews, and clips. If people didn't already know, Sinequa had her second child not long before season four started filming, and she was back up on wire work and running through hallways. That's dedication. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably feels like her insides are going to fall out. <laughs> Just like... I mean, they already did twice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next, we have a feature called Creating Space, which is 20 minutes long. Uh, supervising art director Matt Middleton shows off the augmented reality wall, which is made up of thousands of LEDs used to create expansive virtual sets, a huge boon during COVID. Mm. Then we got a 12-minute feature called The Toll It Took. Um, cast and crew discusses the impact of COVID as they created and filmed season four. Wow. Nothing I want to see less than that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, COVID... COVID like documentaries of like how COVID impacted things. Please, can we 
never make one of those ever again. Yeah. Never screen one of them ever again. Like we get it. We we all lived through it. Yeah. It like, was give, it was give miserable. It, give it time. Give it 10, 20 years to when there are people alive then who don't remember. We all remember. <laughs> yeah. We don't need to see a documentary about something we all just fucking lived through. Yeah, let me guess. They all had to wear masks. Oh, and yeah. they all had to social distance. Oh, no. you poor, Constant testing. You poor rich actors. You were the only ones who were allowed to congregate together because, <laughs> yeah. because you fucking bribed some fucking senators. Yeah, except for like those people that are making those really awful... Um, covid style movies where everyone's like obviously six feet apart oh god <laughs> like uh us, or like doing like uh, everyone's communicating through um through video chat like um oh i hate that like too. i like that's the worst genre of movie to come out of covid yeah because it's weird like uh one of them kimmy was nominated to be like one of the best movies of 2022 i doubt that i i i, I avoided it because it did look just like a covid movie where like it's just uh what's her face like talking to people on video chat and i'm just like eh no <laughs> but then i guess it was like considered one of the best films to be released this year no <laughs> wrongo yeah i, I doubt it <laughs> wrong friendo i mean it was made you uh, fucked up directed by steve sodenberg it might be good I don't know. Well, steven sodenberg's pretty good director but yeah there's only so much you can do with that yeah that's true uh, what else do we have? We have a uh, commentary on just on the last episode of the season, episode 413, Coming Home. Uh, episode uh, writer and co-showrunner Michelle Paradise, producing director, oh man, Olatunde Osunasami, and cast members Sinequa Martin-Green and David Ajala contribute to the single commentary on the set. So there's only one commentary... I really miss when we actually have we used to have like cool commentaries on DVDs and Blu-rays. Mm -hmm. Like it never happens anymore, and it sucks. No, like commentaries were like the only reason to buy DVDs, and it mm -hmm. ruled. Like that was, you know, because if you don't want to just watch the film, like that's that's a cool thing. Yeah, you know? I watched the yeah Cannibal the Musical one was really funny. It's yeah. just like everyone getting drunk and yeah, I've uh, watched the commentary tracks to Mister Show. Probably as much as I've seen every episode <laughs> of Mr. Show. They're amazing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Love that shit. So yeah. what else do we got here? We have deleted scenes. So for many people, these are likely behind uh, the desire to get the TV show on the disc. Uh, there are three episodes that have deleted or extended scenes found on the disc with corresponding episodes. From We got Choose to Live has two of them. One is a complete scene of Trill Guardian Z initiating the transfer, standing over Adria and Grey Golem's body. That's very Star Trek Three. Search for Spock inspired. Mm. Next we have uh, Colbert walks in excited about Grey's successful transfer to find Stamets distracted and distraught about his lack of progress figuring out the DMA. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I can see how horny you are. Yeah, like, like, I don't know, like, yeah, I mean, that's the thing, like, every single episode of the fourth season blends together for me, because it all is just so boring, and just dealing with this, like, problem you don't care about, and mm -hmm. I'm just like, I, I, I really can't tell them apart. <laughs> yeah, uh, next we have, uh, on the episode, the examples, we have a scene where Stamets is in the lab with Saru, and he apologizes for not listening to Saru earlier when he told him to stop his experiments <laughs> with Tarka and the scale reproduction of the DMA. Wow. Whoa. Whoa. They took out the fucking apology? Whoa. They took out our fucking apology scene, Whoa. dog? From Discovery? That show's built on apology scenes. <laughs> Like unless unless they're cutting out unless they're showing some cut out um, scene where like there's some hardcore nudity we see Saru's dick I don't <laughs> yeah. care like give you me you think he just got one yeah I don't know I think he has do one. you think it reacts to danger like the things on his neck or it could be like you know his character from um um uh, what was it called Pan's Labyrinth no the the one where he's the fish man oh the McDonald's commercials no <laughs> no uh. The water something. Uh, oh, Seaman, the video game. The one, the Guillermo del Toro one, where he's the fish. The man. way of water. Is it the way of water? No, it's uh something water. Yeah, but yeah, like his dick comes out of a slit. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's like a, a pussy a dick, pussy. Yeah. Pussy dick. Yeah, because that's that's what dick she. Pussy. Because like, uh, remember like uh, the woman that he's having sex with, like is it, is her, like, her is friend like, asked her like, well, how did where does it come from? And she's like. <laughs> Mimics that it come that it, a slit opens up and his dick comes out. Interesting, like a, a charmed snake kind of coming yeah. out of a pot. And like yeah. A, huh. Yeah. 
Hmm. I might have to watch that movie now. You haven't seen it? No. It's really good. Is it The Sound of Water? Is that it? Could be. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's good, though. It takes place in Baltimore as well. Oh. Gross. <laughs> oh, so it's, it's like it's like a wire season, too, then. Yeah. Baltimore, water, <laughs> probably a trade union in there somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Ziggy. <laughs> There's a Michael Shannon. Yeah. He's not in, in Wire, but he yeah. looks like he would be. Why not? <laughs> uh, next, we have a deleted scene from the episode Rosetta. And uh, as the landing party preps, we see Detmer getting her ocul- ocular implant calibrated by Dr. Pollard before going on the mission. I love that they said in this article that the deleted scenes are like a reason people, likely a reason people will want to buy this. It's the most boring shit I've ever heard. Yeah, it's like, it's like, <laughs> it's literally like four minutes of just like, and half of it's an apology. <laughs> it's all stuff that was cut for time that has no bearing on the story. Oh, but check it out. <laughs> check it out. They also have a gag reel. Oh, yeah, I how, bet that sucks too. How long do you want to bet the gag reel is? How long do you, how, how many laughs and goofs do you think they had this entire 13 episodes? 15 season? minutes. You're close. Oh. Yeah. How long? Three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everyone just seems miserable on that show. And yeah. no one, also, no one seems like they have a sense of humor. No, no except for Tignataro. <laughs> yeah. Tignataro, of course. I bet it's all. Tignataro. <laughs> I think, I feel like it. Like Anthony Raff does too. Yeah. For, for but but they make his char- his character so fucking dour. Yeah. I hate it. Like oh um, yeah. Um. So the gag reel is on the fourth disc. Uh, these blooper reels tend tend to be a nice look into the reality of making a TV show. The feature opens with Doug Jones uh, flubbing his lines, and, and includes a bit of Tig Notaro's dry wit. We also get some prop mishaps. And a few other fun, unplanned moments. See, that's a shit. That's that's a fucking just YouTube video that you can I, watch. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Same same with the fucking deleted scenes. Like like someone's not gonna upload these the I'm, second they have them, also, or they're yeah, not already on there. But also, it's like yeah, you're gonna up. Well, uh, the deleted scenes you're gonna upload on online, and no one's gonna watch them because they sound boring as shit. <laughs> Excuse me. Are you saying an apology from um one second here from. Stamets to Saru? Mm-hmm. Are you saying that sounds boring? Yes. But he's he's apologizing for not listening to Saru <laughs> earlier when he told him to stop his experiments with the Tarka. It's it's it seemed pointless to even film that scene. Yeah. <laughs> like that seems like such a stupid scene. Anyway, it's like who cares? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Discovery when it comes down to it, like the whole thing is just a series of apologies. Yeah. Just everyone acting awkward and apologizing for it. Yeah. And then, yeah. The one person who's not good with people being like, I'm especially good with wait, people. Wait, the person that's not good with people? You mean all of them? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're all like, they all are, they all seem like the, the, like the, the person you work with who no one wants to work with. Yeah. Like all of them, every single one of them for a different reason. Like there's the, like the, the girl who's like definitely unmedicated and probably has like borderline personality disorder. <laughs> and she's like constantly on her phone and crying about her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got the fucking, the catty gay dude who's just like uh, mean intentionally to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um Saru's Saru, pretty cool. Saru's Saru, Saru pretty, comes uh, off as like the, the guy who's really nice, but almost seems like he's he's withholding a lot of rage. Either either that, <laughs> or he's just like he's a manager who is like nice enough, but like seems dis, 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 disingenuous. No, not even. Well, maybe that kind of like remember Rich, the guy we work for at Whole yeah. Foods, who like if if we found out like he was, everyone would like talk about the guy and be like, yeah, he's a nice guy, but like there's just like something about him a hidden this is darkness like weird yeah it's like he's the type of guy who's like so bobbleheady nice that like if you found out that the you just had like you know a, a bunch of children's teeth in his his dresser drawer like you'd Kitten be like heads okay yeah yeah i see i see that yeah <laughs> like, no yeah, yeah if you that's... saw that like an investigation was opened up into him you'd be like oh i wonder what they're gonna find yeah because <laughs> like, there's darkness there yeah but and 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 this happiness exists because he's allowed to do these dark things in his private life absolutely and not carry it on to work (laughs) yeah 
Yeah, Saru, yeah, Saru there, there, Saru's, pro- Saru's definitely one of those like secret fucked up people. Yeah, yeah. Either that, or he's he's just like a manager too, who's like so fucking witless and has like you know he doesn't have any balls. Yeah, which is why he eventually gets replaced as captain, even though everyone's like, "Oh, you're captain," and he's like, "Go, go, go, I don't know what to do. Come on. Yeah, he, he did. He did uh, defer a lot of his captaining. That's why I didn't know. No, he, why. he just gets bullied into whatever Michael Burnham wants to yeah, do, like that's, every episode. That's why I'm like, why, just make her the captain already. Well, like they, it t- they took mm-hmm. it. It took till like season four, but I, she already acted like the captain. Oh yeah, way before that. She so was I'm, always bullying everyone. Over yeah, so it's just like, well, just make her the captain. Why? Why is? Why does she have to have this other other role? And why Saru? Saru doesn't seem like he's captain material at all. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, I mean, the, it's the whole the whole thing is like, who? But who's gonna be captain? Like, yeah. Everyone on that ship fucking sucks. Yeah. Like, like no, no one's fit to be captain on that <laughs> ship, in my opinion, except yeah. for Mira Georgia. Uh, Mira Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess now she's gone, so she can't be. But she's like, yeah. she's incredibly qualified. She's just, you know, evil. Wait till you get to the to the Georgiou exit episode. It's pretty stupid. Oh no! Yeah, I was just like, eh. Then it, it seems like a very. Well, they, they, they said they, it sets up for a Section Thirty One show, so I'm it imagining does. it has something to do with them. Uh, no, kind of. I don't know. It's like it's just kind of anticlimactic to her role on the show. I felt bummer. Yeah, because yeah. she like, if anything, like, yeah, she needs to be like kidnapped by Section Thirty One to go work for them. Mm-hmm. Or she needs to like go out in a blaze of glory, like Klingon style. Yeah, like like a hero's death is very welcome for her because she's she's obviously kind of evil, but she's also like super aggressive and kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. Her, her dying against the Klingon, yeah, would be good because like her her uh, her prime counterpart was eaten by Klingon. So that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, was that was, I thought that was a pretty brutal that part was a of the cool decision. Yeah. yeah. I was just like, which damn, is, which is why I liked the begin. but I mean, that was one of the two episodes Brian Fuller worked on and then he fucking bounced. Yeah. So, yep. So a lot of me wonders what would have happened if Brian Fuller would have stuck around. Cause he was really the last person to work on new Trek mm-hmm. who had a strong connection to old Trek. Mm hmm. You know, because he was a he was a producer on DS Nine, mm. and uh, I want to say he worked somewhat on Enterprise. But you know, he was one of the few guys who actually worked on Trek in the '90s who was heading up New Trek. Yeah, and then he exited after two episodes, and then it kind of. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like. Like the other season, the seasons have been a slog since then. Not looking forward to season five. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, if if you're a fan of TNG and you're wondering like if the show Picard is good or not, just know that nobody who worked on TNG, except for some of the actors, yeah. work on Picard. Yeah, nobody <laughs> behind the scenes who made TNG as good as it was, because we know for a fact the actors are not the ones who made TNG as good as it was. No. Because the first season, and arguably the second season, not that great, d- despite having the exact same actors. And also, if they are put in decision-making roles, like Patrick Stewart's an executive producer in Picard, mm-hmm. and he's not making any good decisions with his character. No, <laughs> like, definitely not. It is weird, like, someone who spends so, like their entire lives with the character and just grossly misunderstands them. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, also, just like, you know, you know, we got a new Indiana Jones movie coming out, and... Mm-hmm. And and I felt like um, the fourth one like didn't understand the character and like no. the, then has like Spielberg and Lucas with the with them and it's just like they don't understand Indiana Jones because like I don't know I think their perspectives change you know they get older they get and older they, and they wistful st- I mean yeah they're rich for so long and like yeah they're just disconnected to that edgy part mm-hmm. that that you know they're they're able to channel into the character and you know ne- you know if you're rich for decades and leading a good life you know. And, yeah, what do you have to bring to a to a character you spend all this time with? You know, you know, like, oh well, I'm I'm happy, so they should be happy. <laughs> I hate that. I hate that. Yeah, like first, for, like we we really didn't need more than three Indiana Jones films. No, like, especially now that they're doing the de aging bullshit. Yeah, it's, like, it's so weird because like it's gonna be obvious because fucking Harrison Ford no longer moves like a young man. Nope, you're gonna have a guy with like a 35 year old's face. <laughs> 
who's moving like he's 80 years old <laughs> and like has just like crapped his pants and is trying to like not let anybody notice. Damn, are you talking about me? Because that's what I just did. Hell yeah, baby. <laughs> that's why we load you with caffeine and lots of sloppy sauce. Mm-hmm. On here. Blow ass afterwards. Hell yeah. Speaking of blowing ass, Star Trek Lower Decks was nominated for a Critics' Choice Award. Oh, I, you know what? Yeah, I would say definitely yes. Yeah. As a critic who mm-hmm. chooses things, I'll say yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, television nominations were announced uh, today by the Critics' Choice Association. And Star Trek Lower Decks was nominated for Best Animated Series, going up against Bluesy, Bob's Burgers, Harley Quinn, Undone, and Jendi Tartakovsky's Primal. Oh, Primal is sick. I haven't watched Primal. I love uh, Jendi Tartakovsky. Yeah, Yeah, whatever. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, Primal. Yeah, Primal's really sick. There's no dialogue. Just uh, oh, oh, so it's a lot like uh, uh, fucking Samurai Jack then. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's like about a caveman and a um, and a um, T Rex that join forces and just kick people's asses. That sounds sick as fuck. It is awesome there's so, some like there's some ridiculous there's some ridiculous gore mm-hmm. like there's one <laughs> you 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 see like people torn apart and die in the most creative ways i've ever seen so oh nice I yeah. Like that. yeah but yeah that actually came to an end in this last season so there's no more i don't oh, think there's i don't think they're making any more um it came to a natural conclusion this last that's season good. that's good because yeah. i mean uh, Tart- tartayovsky um is like uh he's the guy who i mean he did samurai jack he did one Power, of Powerpuff Girls. He did Powerpuff Girls. He did uh, fucking uh, Dexter's Laboratory. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then he he uh, did one of Clone the Wars. Star Trek Clone Wars. He did the three D. No, the, the animated one, not mm-hmm. the three D. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Which I actually haven't watched any at all. Which I, is, I used to see some because they're only like 15, 15 minutes long. Yeah, episode. and there's there's only I think two seasons, and they're both mm-hmm. pretty short. So. Yeah, now they're good. Like because yeah. like you know, the man loves just like. Um, um, very elaborate fight scenes. He he. More than anything, it's super obvious he loves old Japanese films. Yeah, like everything is shot like an old like he basically everything he does is like a different variation on like Seven Samurai or something. Yeah, it's like it's just like long spacious scenes of people doing things like mm-hmm. putting a plan into action. Yeah, and then big battles. Mm-hmm. And but it's like very sparse dialogue. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I yeah, I really like his vision i fuck with it a lot so yeah. i guess that's some tough competition but I, I i mean i loved this season of lower decks yeah um, it's great definitely better than any of the other ones i see there i you know i only watch bob's burgers here and there it's yeah. good enough but you know it's play, played out a little bit harley quinn harley quinn show is pretty good is it yeah i haven't watched it at all yeah like it they make joker into a socialist <laughs> that's fun I like yeah that. he's kind of like a good character they cool. almost kind of like a weird yeah and then we have uh, Undone. I don't know what Undone no, is. No, I've never even heard of that. <laughs> um, so while well, all three of J.J. Abrams' Star Trek films picked up nominations for the Critics' Choice Movie Awards, this is a franchise first for the Critics' Choice Television Awards, which began in 2011. Uh, the two different award shows have now merged into a single Critics' Choice Awards, which will be broadcast live on The CW Ooh. from Los Angeles on November, or sorry, uh, January 15th, 2023. Um. Yep, that's all. Cool, indeed. That's uh. So good luck to them. I really enjoyed last season. Yeah. Godspeed. Godspeed. Uh, moving on in Trek news, according to this uh, article here by Trek Movie, Star Trek Picard cast members confirms they will not be back for season three. Who do you think it is? Who won't be back? Who won't be back from, from- Eleanor? We already know that, actually. Oh. We already knew that Eleanor will not be back. Girardi. Indeed. Allison Pill is saying goodbye. Uh, so, Allison Pill has appeared on every single episode of Star Trek Picard so far, playing cybernetics expert Dr. Agnes Girardi. But in an interview promoting her new film, All My Puny Sorrows, Pill told MovieWeb she won't be back for season three, saying, quote, I know that season three will be the end. I wasn't part of season three, so I don't have much to say about it in terms of spoilers. I will get to watch along with everybody else. Mm. Um, Damn, they didn't even tell her nothing. Yeah, last uh, we checked, Gerardi had um, taken over a new faction of the Borg Mm -hmm. as a new Borg queen that they were going to call the (laughs) Gerardi, which would have been very funny. Yeah. 
I'm glad they already decided not to bring that back. Yeah. Well, I mean, who knows? It could come back in some way, but it's it's a stupid concept, and it, I hate it. That is it's... so so. Gosh, so I have feelings about this. So, yeah, I'm I'm happy they're not bringing it back, but at the same time, they committed to. Uh, I am pissed at Star Trek Picard. And like watch, watching through like uh, DS9 in the last few seasons mm-hmm. really makes me even more pissed at it because I'm like, Star Trek knows how to do a long story. Because mm-hmm. there's several story arcs in Star Trek DS9 in seasons mm-hmm. like six and seven that are like literally three or four episodes long. And although they're not called like part one, part two, part three, part four, they're all part of the same contiguous plot. And like yeah. the same story is happening in all of them. Um, but, uh, but like with Star Trek Picard, like each season they committed to such big ideas that like are supposed to have huge consequences mm-hmm. and then they completely abandoned them mm-hmm. by the end of the season or the beginning of the next season, yeah. which I fucking it, like, I can't stand that. Cause like, what's the point of watching the show if like the stakes are so high, mm-hmm. but then the stakes are completely disregarded by the next season. Yeah. There's no reason to watch this. Why don't you make it a mini series each time you do the show? Yeah. And it introduces like, such, um, such series, such, um, you know, uh, universe changing, um, concepts mm-hmm. to each season. And yeah. then, and then doesn't ever bring them up again. No. And also and, not, and not, then, not that, but character changing arcs. Like, yeah. like, uh, it's a big, at the end of season one, Picard dies yes. and they put him into a positronic body, mm-hmm. which is never mentioned ever again. Kind of like, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's briefly alluded to yeah. on like the second or third episode. Yeah, we of, keep shocking, you know, when he gets hit by the car, we keep shocking him, but he's not dying. Or he's, yeah. No one, nobody. Oh, that, I thought that was funny. Like she's a doctor mm-hmm. and she keeps giving him electric shocks. Mm-hmm. Like she knows how many to give a human body. Yes, she wouldn't go o- more than that. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> yeah, like it doesn't make any fucking sense. But she's like, you know, just like electrocuting this old man's body and doing like, wow, I don't understand how this old body can do this. So like, well, yeah, it's because a positronic thing. But oh, he's also you really you literally don't know that, and you wouldn't do that if that was if you thought that was a normal human. Yeah. <laughs> he's also really into the electroshock fetish, so he's like he's built up a tolerance yeah. to uh, being shocked, especially on his balls. Hell's yeah, especially on his old balls. <laughs> I'm just old man. You know, you get get to a certain age. There's only like a couple things that can make you pop. Oh yeah. <laughs> turn turn up the amperage. Turn oh, up. Oh the- my god. Oh my god. Data. Oh. Turn up the amperage and stick it up my ass. <laughs> Um, so yeah, who cares? Who cares about Star Trek Picard? We'll, we'll fucking, we're going to review season three and yeah. it's, it's coming. It's only a couple months away now. Oh I think, boy. Uh, what was it? Uh, February, February. 12th or yeah. February 15th or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So fun times, fun yeah, times. We got a good, good nine weeks until it comes up on us. We only got three episodes of, uh, Prodigy left. Yeah. So. You know, we'll have uh, six six weeks in between to to do more fun stuff and Avatar two review. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's uh something maybe we no we'll mention on that on real news. Yeah. So that's not Trek news. No. It's better than Trek. Better sci fi. <laughs> <laughs> um. So next, um, we're gonna get into some local Star Trek news. Oh boy. Something we we don't not not local to here. Local mm. to somewhere though. Mm. I guess every, everything Everywhere, is local every, everything's, news. Everything's somewhere. local to someone. Yeah, yeah. That, sounds, that sounds like a Mitch Hedberg joke. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, according to this article in the Business Journal from Libsyn, Ohio, stage left spoof Star Trek in original Christmas play. Candace Cleland came up with her first Star Trek stories when she was a 12-year-old babysitter trying to amuse her younger siblings. She draws on her love of the original series and her newest play, A Star Trek Christmas, which premieres Friday at Stage Left Players' Trinity Playhouse. Cleland also directs the comic play, which spoofs the iconic TV show. I want the audience to feel like they are watching a holiday episode of Star Trek, she said. The, cl- the cast includes Kevin Scheffler 
Aaron Hinchcliffe. I'm not going to read all these people's names. Yeah, like Nate, no one knows who those names are. Yeah. So, <laughs> so here's uh, from a, from an interview. With, Much large, huge. <laughs> uh, squat, so, squat, hip thrust. Um, so according here's here's uh, some excerpts from an interview about about the play. Um, so the paper asked, uh, I can sense that the play is silly, maybe a bit slapstick, offbeat, and, and, and hilarious. What's the plot? You can sense it's hilarious. Uh, uh, the director says, you nailed it. As the story begins, Starfleet has assigned Captain Kirk and his crew to holiday surveillance duty of the Class M mining planet Bores 5 in remote Sector 11, which is Santa's sole supply of colomite in the galaxy. All is <sighs> calm, all is bright as the Starship Enterprise maintain standard orbits until the Klingons show up with a scheme to get their names off the naughty list and destroy the Colomite supply. I hate this so much. I hate this so much. I hate community theater so much. Where is, what's, what state is this in? It's in Ohio. Oh yeah. I would, I would have been like, Oh, we should go see it. But yeah, that's no, no one's going to Ohio. Yeah. Yeah. So if you live in Ohio, I'm sorry. Um, interviewer asks, uh, are the original Star Trek characters in the play? Uh, <laughs> no, of course not. They say, uh, Kirk, Spock, Bones, Sulu, Scotty, Sulu, Ahura, Chekhov, <laughs> and Nurse Chapel all there, plus a few expendable red shirts, hot aliens, Klingon, and a bartender who we have fun with, and Santa, of course. Mm. Um, nah. So the only sci-fi uh, Santa movie is Santa versus the Martians. <laughs> yeah. The the interviewer then asks, "Do you play off their personality traits? Is it easy to spoof Star Trek characters?" The writer, Duh. the writer and director says, which makes me this is a horror, a horror of a sentence. Saturday Night Live has been doing this for years. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. And there's the movie Spaceballs and Galaxy Quest for inspiration. Spaceballs is Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, but I wrote and direct this play with respect for these icons. Oh, we do have fun with them, but their hearts and souls are intact. I want Star Trek fans to find every moment we are looking for. A space battle with the Klingons, a bar fight, everything from Dammit Jim to Live Long and Prosper. And once I decided that everyone on the Enterprise and the Klingons believed in Santa, except for Spock, who finds this notion highly logical, the plot appeared and the story came to life, especially with my cast who brought their genius to the formula. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh one more question here uh they asked did you create a set that looks like the bridge of the enterprise i hate these questions so much <laughs> the the director says yes it has all of the iconic elements you need to see a cool captain's chair those sci-fi chairs for sulu Chekhov, or her and spock the red elevator doors that open and swoosh on cue i struggled trying to figure out how to create the controls and consoles that could move when the set had to instantly become the pub, sick bay, or the transporter room. But I'm really excited with our solution, which relies on projection and audience imagination. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Any show I go to that tells <laughs> me like, you need to imagine something. I'm like, are you going to pay me? Cause like, I'm, I'm not a stage hand. All right. Like I, like I like this, I'm just now being introduced to this. Already. I have like a much better idea. You put fucking Christmas lights yeah, as as to to make the lights, they're 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 easily disconnected, mm -hmm. plugged in, and also it would keep in with the theme of it being a, a Star Trek Christmas thing. You yeah. you have like Christmas lights be mm -hmm. like the thing. I don't know. Maybe you should pay me to to do the set design. Maybe you should do community theater. <sighs> uh, I guess I'll or I'll just like get the gun. <laughs> <laughs> The gun's always an option. The gun is an option. All right. Uh, and finally, uh, we have, uh, I guess, a reading series. This is a little bit of a, mm -hmm. an opinion, mm. but also, I think, kind of a, kind of mostly fact. Okay. It's an article from Yahoo Movies that was uh, released two days ago from Steve O'Brien, writer Steve O'Brien, that asks, what went wrong with Star Trek Nemesis? Mm. Great question, because Star Trek Nemesis is a fucking mess. Yeah. For like the amount like it's it's the Star Trek movie that obviously I think cost them the most money. It mm -hmm. feels like I mean the production of it's good, but <coughs> it fails like in basically every other category. Yeah. The acting's fine, I guess, but mm -hmm. like the script really doesn't make any sense. 
the stakes are like too high and like i don't know i don't like the movie too much i don't know about you no i i mean i've seen it maybe (laughs) twice and like i'm whatever on it Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah it's what i saw in the theaters i want a bunch of stuff from the local comic shop Mm. that was cool i guess i had to have been like 13 Mm. what 2001 yeah so, um, let's see. So, uh, it's a fact. The character of Tim Bisley once said in Spaced, sure as day follows night, sure as eggs is eggs, sure as every odd-numbered Star Trek movie is shite. <laughs> uh, back in 1999, that observation was an empirical truth. 98 had just seen the underwhelming Star Trek Insurrection movie, number nine, uh, in the decades-long-running uh, franchise, and the next film from the box office busting First Contact. Before that, every even-numbered Trek movie from The Wrath of Khan through The Undiscovered Country via Voyage Home had been a nailed-on classic. Mm-hmm. I have my own feelings on uh, Undiscovered Country, but it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. It's, mm-hmm. not, it's not great. Uh, so hopes were skyscrapingly high for Star Trek Nemesis before its release on December in December t- uh, 2002, 20 years ago. This week. So happy mm. 20th anniversary to uh, Star Trek Nemesis. It's almost, lot, it's almost old enough to drink. Almost. I mean, it is in, in anywhere but like the U.S. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Go to, go to, go to uh, England and you can have a, have a pint. Mm-hmm. So the fourth film for the Next Generation crew and the 10th film overall, how could this even numbered promise fail? Yet Nemesis would become a movie that effectively killed Star Trek on the big screen, grossing just $67 million against a $60 million budget uh, to put it in perspective, the Borg-centered First Contact rake in, raked in a cool $146 million. Wow. Uh, put it a f- uh, as a final stop on the run of movies that had been a multiplex mainstay since 1979. Mm. In the year since, it's become fashionable's bash nemesis. When asked why he thought it bombed, LeVar Burton said simply, because it sucked, <laughs> which I really like. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Stewart later lambasted the film as a pretty weak finale for the TNG crew, while Marina Sirtis branded the movie's director, Stewart Bade, as an idiot. (laughs) So what went wrong? Uh, Notably, it was the first of the TNG movies to be written and directed by talent completely fresh to the franchise. Certainly, it was Paramount who were keen on Stewart Baird directing, replacing Jonathan Frakes, who'd overseen the previous two films. Uh, Bade was a British director, or Baird was a British director, better known as one of the sharpest editors in the business, who had done, uh, uh, sorry, edited The Omen and Superman and Lethal Weapon. Oh, wow. Apparently, it was Richard Donner's uh, go-to guy for editing. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he was less accomplished as a director with only two films on his CV uh, before Nemesis, which were Executive Decision, the Kurt Russell film, where Steven Seagal is killed in like the first 10 minutes. Oh, yeah. And um, the so-so sequel to The Fugitive, U.S. Marshals from 19. Oh, yeah, I never saw that. It's not very good. Yeah. It's, I mean, Tommy Lee Jones, he just comes off as a dickhead. Yeah. Right? Like, everything I see him, I'm like, what a dickhead. Yeah. Like, he's fine in some things. Like, he works in, like, No Country for Old Men and shit. Mm-hmm. But still a dickhead. So, uh, then there was John Logan. Well, Generations, First Contact, and Insurrection had been uh, scripted by new, uh, Next Generation veterans, uh, most notably Ronald D. Moore and um, uh, fucking Rick Berman, and I think Brendan Braga, uh, it was decided to entrust the 10th movie to someone new to the series. It's not hard to see why producer Rick Berman's head turn was turned by Logan. Uh, Oscar nominated in 2000 for his work on Gladiator, Logan was a big deal back then, and he went on to write uh, The Aviator for Scorsese and co-write Skyfall. Hmm. But the script he turned in, according to Berman, was too long and way too wordy, which tells me it was probably awesome, right? Maybe. Um, though Logan was dyed in the wool, uh, Logan was dyed in the wool Star Trek fan. Uh, Baird had scant knowledge of then thirty-six-year-old series he was joining. Not only did he refuse to watch any episodes of TNG before he started on the film, it appears he did little research on the actors and characters he was working with either. Uh, Baird reportedly called. LeVar Burton, Laverne, and believed Commander LaForge was an alien. Wow. Yes. <laughs> um, 
So with uh, Jonathan Frakes having helmed the previous two movies, the cast had used, uh, was used to having a director who knew the series and their characters inside and out. Yet because Insurrection tanked the box office, Frakes was passed over for Nemesis. Which really sucks, because like, he did a great job with First Contact. Yeah, he did. Like Insurrection was just a weak fucking script. Yeah. Like, but they they put it all on his shoulders, which fucking sucks. Because mm-hmm. he's a totally competent director. Yeah, I mean, he's directed so many episodes of other Star Trek episodes. Yeah, and he directed First Contact, which is like pretty much unarguably the best TNG, TNG film, movie. Yeah, straight up, it is. Yeah. Um. So, uh, Frank said in an interview in 2009, "I think we would have kept a lot more of the Star Trek family in the movie. Um, it would have been more about us than about Tom Hardy as Shinzon." As great as he is and as great as his character was, people come on the first weekend of a Star Trek movie to see their family, which I totally agree with. Yeah. That, that, that's a great quote. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, that, I think that is the first movie I've ever seen Tom Hardy in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it has to be said, though, however, the Nemesis was, in Baird's words, trimmed to the wire before it's released, and much of what was lost were those character moments, often at the expense of action. Yeah. Um, like a uh, bare arm Picard type oh, stuff. I love that. Yeah. I, uh, so according to Patrick Stewart himself, he said, I think if there were ever a real need for an extended edition of any work we have done, it would be nemesis. It would, it wouldn't be a director's cut of the film that may have been even shorter, but maybe an actor's cut, <laughs> which is an interesting idea. Mm. Um, according to some sources, nearly an hour's worth of footage hit the cutting room floor. Floor. Uh, Wesley wow. Crusher made his only appearance in a next-gen movie in Nemesis. Only all of his dialogue scenes were scissored out, which is pretty funny. Uh, still, at least it could be seen, if only by the eagle-eyed during Riker and Troy's wedding. Yeah. In the film. yeah. Which, that's appropriate for him. Yeah. Uh, so, Stephen Culp fared even worse. His character, Martin Madden, which uh, was to have been Picard's new first officer, and his only scene would have closed the movie as the newly christened Captain Riker passes the baton to his credulous replacement. Uh, In the end, Culp's role was cut completely. Mm. Yep. In the end, whatever Nemesis's faults, it's not as calamitous as the seraphic insurrection or the blundering Final Frontier. I don't agree with those, actually. Mm. I I actually like Final Frontier more than this. Yeah. Not Insurrection, though. Insurrection, Insurrection might be the worst Star Trek movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's very confusing and weird. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just not good. I mean, it's it's a really long episode of Star Trek and it's just like it's the production values aren't high enough to carry that Mm-mm. idea, you know. It's not like I mean, like fucking Star Trek the motion picture is kind of a very long episode of Star Trek, but yeah. it, it kind of rocks. Yeah. I like it. Based on visuals like Yeah, yeah, like the, the production music, is so cool. Yeah, yeah. But like sure. there's there's nothing that stands out visually or or anything mm-hmm. out of uh Nemesis. <laughs> Indeed. But yeah, uh, despite all that, uh, it looks as though the TNG crew is getting a final send-off next year with the third and final season of Star Trek Picard. And we'll see where they go from here and if any other movies are held for the future. You think season three of Picard will be better or worse than Insurrection? Than Insurrection. Yeah. Because like, well, you have to compare it to what was their last send-off. Insurrection. Oh, you, you mean Nemesis. I mean Nemesis. I'm sorry, Nemesis. Nemesis. Okay, yeah. So Nemesis was the send-off. I think, you think this will... It's going to be worse than Nemesis, maybe better than Insurrection. We'll say that. Yeah. I, I think it might be in between. We'll see. We'll see. Um, yeah. like, we'll see if this will actually give the, give, the, give the crew a proper send-off, or is it just going to just shit the bed again? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I... Gosh. I, I never doubt at this point that they'll shit the bed. They're yeah. just... the. Um, I don't know. Like Alex Kurtzman, I mean, I feel like maybe the good Star Trek that has happened under him has maybe been an accident. Yeah, because it's, it's I don't know. It's, it's I mean it's it's basically like a fifty fifty split almost, which is mm-hmm. at this point because you have like two shows, which you know, the three newest shows are by far the best shows. Yeah, like they even started- this last episode of Prodigy when we were watching, I was just like, holy shit, this like. The direction of that of that episode is just excellent. Yeah, yeah like every, and the visuals are amazing. Mm-hmm. And what they can, what they are, able, what they do, and and yeah, like that's capable of telling a concise story. And it's just mm-hmm. like it's amazing that you know that everything else is just wildly bad. Yeah, 
right? <laughs> but, it, yeah, it, do, it doesn't make – that's the thing. Is like the gulf in quality tells me either like fucking maybe he's like – Alex Kurtzman's completely like hands off and he's like, yeah, I'm good, just going to delegate all of this. Because like if he was overseeing all of this, I feel like they would have more consistent quality. Yeah. Like yeah. And it wouldn't be their three good Star Trek shows and th- – two very bad Star Trek shows. Mm -hmm. It's weird to me. I mean, that's probably good that he was cut out of, if seemingly cut out of uh, maybe the good ones. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. But that's uh, that's the Star Trek news I have for the week. You got anything else to say before we go? No, I'm good. Well, uh, go buy our merch, soytrek.com. Yeah. Suck it. (laughs) Yeah.